Scott Kingston. Uh, I'm one of the elders here at WCC. And as Stephanie said, we'd like to extend a special welcome to those of you who are visiting for the first time or one of the first few times. We're so glad you're here. We'd love to meet you. Uh, don't hesitate to introduce yourself to me or Adam or anyone in the congregation. Uh, I have a few announcements to make. And then I want to chat with you guys for a few minutes about our candidate, uh, Stephen Boyer, uh, and the candidate weekend. And by the way, I don't know if you guys have a hard time uh, pronouncing his last name because it's like this long French last name. But Stephen told me the easiest way to remember it is bow, like bow and arrow, and yay, like woo. So it's a good way to remember it, Stephen Boyer. All right, a few announcements. Uh, the deadline date of February 20th to commit to the Liberia trip is now changed to February 4th. Uh, the bulletins will be corrected next week. Uh, there will be a church membership class in the library after service this week and next week. So the library right back there. <laughs> Benevolence offering will be taken in the back as you leave at the end of service. Um, there's more announcements in the online bulletin and in the screens uh, in, the, in the lobby area. So please don't hesitate to take a look at those. All right. In singles luncheon today, thank you. For the reminder, Singles Luncheon today at, at Lakeshore. All right. Thank you, Jeanette. All right. Um, so, Stevens Candidate Weekend is coming up in two weeks. And there's a communication. There's a little insert in your bulletin if you want to pull that out. I'm actually going to go through this whole thing to make sure everyone's on the same page because this is pretty important. Hopefully you're as excited as we are for the candidate weekend. As we've shared, we had many applicants that were vetted by the search team and several that were passed on to the elders for more in-depth interviews and visits. We can't overemphasize how grateful we are for the search team uh, and all of their hard work. The elders wanted to take some time today to share the main reasons why we are recommending Stephen to the congregation. The most important criteria that we expect from our teaching pastor is that his foundation in life is Jesus Christ and the gospel. We believe that to be the case with Stephen. Secondly, it is important that our teaching pastor agree with the EFCA statement of faith. And Stephen has assured us that he does. Here are the rest of the reasons we are recommending Stephen in no particular order. Stephen was called to and has served for five years as an associate pastor at an EFCA church prior to his current role uh, and is willing to become licensed as an ordained EFCA minister. Stephen comes highly recommended from his current district superintendent and his senior interim pastor. Stephen was prompt and diligent to attend to the vetting process set up by the search team and fulfilled the many steps that brought him to this point in the process. Stephen displays a heart for making disciples and being discipled in both his teaching and personal practice. Stephen is spoken of as one who is truly motivated by his love for God and for others. Stephen teaches that Jesus is the central message of the church with Christ-centered sermons. Stephen comes with a well-rounded education from Crown College with a BA in pastoral leadership. The link to the outline of the course study can be found in your bulletins and online. Stephen is involved in his local community. He has established relationships with civic leaders and engages in community activities. 
Stephen and Jenny have a solid Christian marriage and are striving to raise their children up in the instruction of the Lord. Stephen currently serves in, as an elder at his church and has a biblically accurate view of eldership. We strongly encourage you to be a part of the January 26th through 28th candidate weekend with four different events. So Friday evening from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m., there will be a meet and greet with an opportunity to hear Stephen and Jenny's testimonies and also have personal interaction with them. On Saturday morning at 8 a.m., we will have a family breakfast to show Stephen and Jenny our church body and fellowship with one another and to hear a devotional in a more relaxed setting. On Sunday, January 28th at 9.30, Stephen and Jenny will join us in worship and we'll have an opportunity to hear the word of God preached by Stephen. We'll then have our regular fellowship time after service and gather back in the sanctuary at 11 a.m. to have a 30-minute Q&A time with Stephen and Jenny. Following the Q&A time, members will cast their votes affirming a call to Stephen Boyer as our teaching pastor to serve alongside and within your elder team. So really, really exciting. Um, we strongly encourage, a few comments here, we strongly encourage you to view the Candidate Weekend as an opportunity to get to know Stephen and Jenny rather than strictly as a time of evaluation. We also encourage you to keep in mind that they will be paying attention not just to how we interact with them, but also how we interact with each other. They are evaluating us as well. And the main question they will probably be asking is whether or not this congregation will love their family. Also, a reminder that we will be hiring Stephen, not Jenny. Our main criteria for Jenny is that she lovingly supports her husband as he engages in ministry, and we are very confident that she does. Thank you for your time. And please be in prayer for Stephen and Jenny and for our congregation as we prepare for the candidate weekend. Now, um, let me just make a couple opening remarks before I start preaching. Um, if you got a bulletin, make sure to get a bulletin. Um, on the back panel is the, is the outline. Um, but I want to thank you for your, all your prayers. Uh, boy, a, lot, a, a rough couple weeks for me. I haven't been that sick that way in so long. And uh, I'm thankful for my voice that I have this morning. And I'm also thankful for you watching me on the screen. If you were here last Sunday watching my big head on the screen as I talk to you this morning. Um, but I thank you very much uh, for those prayers. And, and I, would, uh, I would say also that um, next weekend, I know two weekends is the candidate weekend, but next weekend is a very important Sunday to be here. It's, it's just, I think it's just as important as the candidate weekend. So I just kind of put that out there that if you can be here next Sunday, um, it is in, I, I would love to see the sanctuary full um, preparing for the candidate weekend. It's going to be an important weekend to be together, okay? So um, let me start with a specific prayer. So Heavenly Father, I pray this morning that I would be able to uh, deliver this message in the way that you ordain it to be delivered. I ask this in your precious and holy name. Amen. So we have been going through the book of Galatians. And um, in the book of Galatians, we've learned that there are six chapters, and they're divided up two, two, and two. 
And the first two chapters are about the man, Paul. And this man, Paul, uh, lived a life of discipleship. He, he was always connected with other people. He was always growing in Christ and making disciples. That's the man, Paul. Then in chapters 3 and 4, then we look, he dives into the message. He dives into the message of the gospel. And, and that's our message. Our message is that Jesus Christ and him alone. And now we're in chapters 5 and 6. Now it goes to the manner of life. And as we've been studying through this, the manner of life in which we are to have with this central message that salvation is through Christ alone is our love for God and our love for others and our service to others. So, so you can see, even in the book of Galatians, we, we talk about these three M's that we talk about all the time. Our message is Jesus, our motive is love, and our method is discipleship, that we grow together. You can even see it right in the book of Galatians laid out there. And that's why we talk about it, and that's why we share it with our kids. So last week, we, we, two weeks ago, the first manner of life of how do we live as Christians we, we came across this. We run in the lane of salvation through Christ alone, expressed by love by being servants of each other. That is the message of the church. We cannot get off of that lane. Our solution is not the solutions of the world. Our solution, our answer to everything is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ transforms our hearts. And that is expressed first by him first loving us, and now we turn around and love him and love others. And that is also expressed that we are servants like he is. I mean, Christ came to serve us. Christ came to die on the cross for our sins. And we follow in his footsteps and we are to be servants of others. So that's, that's how we live our Christian life. Now, last week on that scratchy video, um, second manner of life. This is what we talked about last week. We crucify the acts of sinful nature by walking with, being led by, and keeping in step with the Spirit. We, we found out that the acts of sinful nature and walking in the Spirit are like oil and water. They do not mix. They cannot mix. And so we have to crucify the sinful nature by walking with that Spirit and being led by, you know, that, that was like leading an animal, that you're tethered to Jesus. You're tethered to the Spirit. He's pulling you along, and you keep in step with the Spirit along with others, just like a soldier in, a, in rank. You're walking along with him in the Spirit, okay? So that was the second manner of life. Now today, we're going to look at these phrases, that we restore gently, we watch ourselves, we carry each other's burdens, we test our actions, and we carry our own load. Okay, so those five things we're going to go through this morning, five things. I want to note, though, that if we go back to chapter 5 and the very last verse, verse 26, chapter 5, verse 26, this is how we ended uh, last week. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. See, that's not walking by the Spirit. When we're, let us not be conceited, let us not think just of ourselves and, or provoking and envying each other, pointing the fingers at others. Okay, that's not walking by the Spirit. So right after that verse, 
Now he's going to give us the verse of what it means to walk in the Spirit. So in, on your sheet, if you're following your sheet, I typed it out like this so that there were spaces in between. So you can write some words because I'm going to go through this verse one by one pretty much. So he starts out and he says, brothers. So under that word, you could write family or church family. Who's he talking to? He's talking to the Galatian Gentile Christians. He's talking to Christians at this point when he says this. He says, brothers, church family, church family. If someone is caught, now under that word caught, you could write trapped or you could write fallen. So the the idea of caught here is that there's something that's been going on in the background and no one is seeing it. It's kind of hidden. It's been hidden for a while. But now you've been caught. It's exposed. It's come to light. If someone is caught in a sin, some versions say uh, trespass, that means you've fallen beside this. You could put the word fallen beside. Or you could look at it like this, is that something that's been hidden in your life, it's been exposed, but this is not your mode of operation. This is not, this is not what it usually is. But you've fallen into this, and you can't get yourself out of it. And, and, and you're trapped in it, and you're trapped in this. It's a deviation from what you should be, and you know it. It's a, it's a veering off of the path of being walking with the Spirit. Okay, brothers, if someone is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual, you who are spiritual, under that, I would put chapter 5, I would put 5.16, 18, and 25. 5.16, 18, and 25. Now I'm going to go back to those. Chapter 5, verse 16. So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the simple, the desires of the sinful nature. See, those who are spiritual are those who live by the Spirit. Then if you go to verse 18, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. There's another person who's spiritual, who's being, he's tethered to Christ and being led by Christ. And then verse 25, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. There's another person who's spiritual. They're keeping in step with what God says. So back to here. Brothers, if someone is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual. Now, you'll notice here, now we're talking about two different people. We're talking about the person who's caught in sin, and we're talking about the person who's spiritual. There's two people here. You who are spiritual should restore him. Under the word restore, you could write these two phrases. Mend the net. Mend the net and set the bone. Set the bone. It means both of them. Let me explain it. So the fishermen would go out all night long and they would use nets on the Sea of Galilee. And when, they, when the evening was done, in the morning had come, the last thing that they would do is they would mend their nets. They would, they would fix them. They would get them ready for the next night. And mending a net is tedious work. It's, I mean, things are tangled up and everything, and you're just, you're just, you're just kind of, you know, it, it, you really focused on it. You're really focused on trying to do it. Modern day fishermen, we get a backlash on our fishing pole. Yeah. And, and, and we'll sit there for a while. 
trying to see if I can get this all untangled, and, and then we'll cut the wire. But, but that's the kind of idea, that, that kind of like, okay, I'm, I'm really focused on this, and I'm, I'm, I'm delicate. It's delicate. That's one definition of it. The other definition is set the bone. Now, have you had that happen? Have you ever had a doctor set your bone? Yeah, yeah. It's not like this, is it? No, it's like, mm, and you go, ah! But, but he did it to, to restore you. Here comes the most important probably word in this verse. We should restore him gently. Gently. If you, if, you are off, if you are able to show gentleness to another person, it's most likely because someone was gentle with you. Someone at some point in time was gentle with you when you needed someone to be gentle. And he says, we need to restore that person gently, remembering that you could look at that person and say, that could be me. Or maybe sometimes I've had this happen where I'm looking at the person and I'm going, that is me. I have been right there. And I remember the person who was gentle with me to restore me gentle. So what am I going to do? Who is spiritual? I'm going to do the same thing back to them. Then he gives this warning. But watch yourself. The word there, you could put under it, um, observe or pay attention to. Pay attention to yourself. Now, the yourself is the person who's spiritual, who has caught someone else in a sin. Okay? So that's who you're talking about here. Watch yourself, or you also may be tempted. Because in that moment in time, you could be tempted to do this. You could be tempted to think of yourself better than the other person. You could think that you could be tempted uh, that, you know, like, I would never do that. Well, no, I would never do that. You could also be tempted, though, maybe to do the same, whatever they're doing. Or you could be tempted to hide your own sin, to hide your own sin. So, so there's that verse. Now, what I want to do with this verse is I'm going to overlay, I'm not going to read all these verses, I'm going to overlay these passages over that verse. I want you to see the pattern in the scriptures. So I'm going to back up again here. So we're going to talk about the Good Samaritan first. This one is a pattern. The parable of the Good Samaritan, the man's going from Jerusalem to Jericho. He, he comes upon thieves. He's, he's beaten up. He's left for dead, right? He's hurting. He's in need. Well, if you're caught in a sin, you're in need. You're hurting. Okay, you who are spiritual, the, the, the Pharisee or the, the priest comes by first, and what's he do? Crosses on the other side. The Levite comes by. What's he do? Crosses on the other side. Now, they look spiritual. They were in spiritual service, but were they in keeping in step with the Spirit? Did they offer this man any compassion? Did they stop and help him in any way? No. Who comes next? The Good Samaritan. And he is the one who's spiritual. And he stops and he pours oil on the wounds. He puts him on his own donkey. He takes him to an inn. He stays with him all through the night. And then in the morning, he, he, before he leaves, he tells the innkeeper, here's a couple more money. And, and when I come, if it's not enough, when I come back through, I'll, I'll reimburse you kind of thing. I want you to see, he, he watched himself even in this pattern. He watched himself because when did he leave? He left in the morning during the daytime. It's, it's safer during the day 
stand at the night. He didn't just drop them off there and keep going in the night. That would have been dangerous. Don't watch yourself. You might be thrown into the same situation. Okay, now that's just a pattern. That's just a pattern. The second one I have on your sheet is the woman caught in adultery. I want you to see the same thing again. So here is the woman is caught in the act of adultery. A mob brings her to Jesus. So she's caught in the act. She's caught in the act. Jesus is sitting down, and, and, and the mob comes to Jesus and said, we need to stone her. We need to stone her. We need to, Moses said, and, and Jesus knows their heart. He knows that they're testing him to see if he'll take the bait. Okay, he knows that. He knows everybody's heart. And he knows that. And so he, he, he's going to restore them both gently. Because he's not just dealing with the woman who's caught in the sin of adultery. He's also dealing with a mob who is not walking in the spirit. He's going to deal with both of them. So he deals with the mob first. And he gets up and he says, well, okay. Uh, any of you here who have never sinned? Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. You know what he just did? He set the bone. Boom. Just like that. I mean, he set the bone. That, that, they're like, uh. And the scripture says what happened? From the oldest to the youngest, they dropped their stones. Then, and they leave. Then he turns to the woman. Now he's going to mend the net. He's going to, delicate work here. He's going to mend the net. And he says to her, anybody condemn you? No. Neither do I condemn you. And just like he knew their heart, that they wanted to trap him, he knew her heart. Because he says to her, go and sin no more. Her sin was forgiven. Now go and sin no more. And, and maybe even the protection, watch yourself. I, I mean, Jesus is Jesus, but he doesn't go along with her. He allows her to leave. Let me do the next one. Paul and Peter. This one we see right in our past. We've been, we talked about this one in Galatians. In Galatians, there's an opportunity when Paul says, hey, Peter came one time to visit us. And Peter was so excited about the Gentile Christians. And he was so excited about people in Christ. And, and he was eating with them. And we love Jesus. Yes, we do. We love Jesus. How about you? Kind of thing. And all that. And everything's fine until there's some Jewish Christians that come from Jerusalem. And what does Peter do? Peter removes himself from the Gentile Christians. And he goes over to the Jewish Christians and he makes a distinction between the two, that one must be better than the other, one must have more, is more spiritual than the other, something along that line. And if you go back to chapter 2, verse 14, this is Paul, when I saw that they were not acting in line with the truth of the gospel, he caught them in a sin. I said to Peter in front of them all, now this is a set bone. He's going to set the bone right in front of everybody because Peter's one of the leaders of the church. In front of them all, you are a Jew, yet you live like a Gentile. You are not, a, not like a Jew. How is it that you force Gentiles to follow Jewish customs? He set the bone. And, and, and I, a little farther down, how does Paul protect himself, watch himself, so he does not do the same thing? We go back to this very famous verse. I have been crucified with Christ. He points to Christ. He, he's not pointing to himself. 
He's not saying it's because I'm superior than you, Paul, Peter. He points to Christ and he says, I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live. But Christ, there it is again, lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me. It's not because I loved him. It's because he loved me. And I didn't give myself for him. He gave himself for me. You see what Paul's protecting himself. Paul's making sure that when he sets this bone, that it's not in any way to show that he is superior over, over Peter. But no, the only reason I'm setting this bone is because of Christ. It's because of Christ. Now, last one on your sheet is Matthew 18, 15 through 17. And that's usually, that's Jesus teaching about uh, church discipline. And I, I, if you remember, Jeanette and I, we, we did a, a while ago, we had the little table up here, and we talked about um, the first step in that. And I had somebody rightly say to me after that sermon, hey, you didn't preach the whole passage. And I said, yeah, I know, I know. I didn't preach the whole passage because we got to get that first step down first. That we, if you have something against your brother, that you go to them in private and you, and you talk to them and you, hopefully you're mending the net, okay? That it can be restored there. And that was the whole point of that sermon was, hey, let's get this one down, okay? Before we get to step two. But so that you have something against another, you go to that person in private and you hope that to be restored. You're mending the net. If it doesn't, this person is doing something that is against God's word. Then the next step is you take two or three others with you. And you go as brothers and sisters in Christ and, and you're pleading out to this person, wait a minute. And you're still mending the net. You're trying to see if this can be restored. If that doesn't work, then you go to the church and you say, church, we have a brother or sister in Christ who is walking against God's word. Would you please pray? Would you please? You're mending the net. You're mending the net. You're hoping for restoration. But then that passage ends this way, where it's a setting of the bone. But if they don't listen to the church, if they don't listen to the teachings of the Bible, if they're not in accordance with that, he says you need to start to look at that person differently. That person needs is a tax collector or a sinner, like a tax collector or a sinner. Meaning, it doesn't mean that you don't love them. But we're saying, you need to know about Jesus. If you're not following after his words, if you're not following after his ways, you need to know Jesus. We need to tell you about Jesus. Tung. Set the bone, set the bone. Now, how to protect ourselves in that overlay is that sometimes... When someone does something wrong and we need to correct it, we could have the wrong motive. And the wrong motive would be to punish. That person needs to be punished. They did something wrong. They need to be punished. That's the wrong one. Someone does something wrong. Our motive should be, if we're walking in the spirit, Lord, how can I help them? How can I help them? Okay, that was a lot of overlay there. I want to go back to our passage of Scripture now because how do we do this? How do we do this in the right way? Because we're, he's talking to those who are spiritual. He's talking to the ones who are addressing the issue. How do we do this? You're going to see this right in the next verses. Verse 2, it says, so I'm back in Galatians 6, carry each other's burden, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. The law of Christ is love. 
He says, carry this burden. The word for burden there is, is something that is too heavy for one person to carry. That's what the word means. And it also involves you using your own hands. So if you are spiritual, caught someone else in a sin, it, it is not for you just to point out what that sin is. You who are spiritual are willing to carry that burden. Because that burden is too heavy. That burden, they've been hiding it. They've been, they need help. So are you willing to carry the burden? That's the first one. The second one, verse 3, when it says, if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Here's the second thing that you've got to have if you're spiritual in this situation. You do it in all humility. No elevation whatsoever of yourself. No elevation whatsoever of yourself. This morning when I was going through this, um, a passage uh, that came up for me was uh, it was First Timothy. It's not on your sheet, but First Timothy one, starting in verse fifteen. Here's Paul again. He says, "Here's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ came to the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst." Did he elevate himself? No. He said, "I'm the worst." He goes on, but for that very reason. I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, did he elevate himself? No, worst of sinners. Christ Jesus might display his unlimited patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. Because I was the worst of sinners transformed by Jesus Christ. It was used by God. It was used by God that other people would come to Jesus Christ. Amazing. And then he ends this way. Look how he does not point to himself. Now to the king eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. You who are spiritual, catch someone else in a sin. You got to make sure that you, you, you do it in all humility. No elevation of yourself. You could be looking at your very self. Third one, or verse four now, back to the passage. Each one should test his own actions. Then he can take pride in himself without comparing himself to somebody else. Here's the third one. We test our actions, but the only way we can test our actions, it's not according to anybody else. It's got to be according to Jesus. It's got to be according to his words. So we examine, we make sure that what we're saying is genuine. We make sure that we, 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 that if we have an opportunity of pride or boast or praise, it's because we have followed after him and what he has said. Tremendous example of this in the scriptures is in Acts chapter five, and I'll just I'll tell you the story. But the Jesus is risen from the grave, ascended into heaven. The disciples have the great commission: tell the world, and they are. They're telling the world about a risen Lord. The religious leaders who put the Jesus on the cross are are furious about this. They're like, well, I, "We got rid of this guy. What's going on?" So they pull in the disciples and say, "Hey, you can't do this anymore." And so they throw him in prison for the night. We'll talk to you in the morning. In the night, an angel of the Lord comes and delivers the disciples from the prison. And what do they do? They go back out to the temple courts and they tell people, oh, Jesus, the risen Lord and everything. So in the morning, the guys get up, religious leaders get up. They, they, they go get those guys. Go get, we're going to interrogate them. They go to the prison. They're not to be found. The prison's locked up. They're not to be found. And where'd they go? Well, here comes a report from the temple 
temple courts, and they're out there preaching again. Get them in here. So they bring them in. They bring them in, and they, you cannot do this anymore. And then, of course, there's a, those beautiful phrases where Peter said, hey, who are we going to obey? You or God? You know, kind of thing. And then Gamaliel, who's one of the religious leaders, gives a speech about how, you know, if this is of God, you can't stop it, okay? But I want you to see, and I'm going to read at verse 40, chapter 5, their response, his speech, Gamaliel's speech persuaded them, they, they called the apostles in and had them flogged. So they beat them up. They whipped them. Now watch. Then they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. So they one more time, ultimatum. The apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing. Why are they rejoicing? Why are they boasting? Why are they praising? Because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. Because they had followed what Jesus said to do. That's why they were praising the Lord. And day after day, in the temple courts, from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Christ. See, we got to make sure that we test our actions always according to Jesus. And even though it's a hard thing to do, there couldn't be some kind of peace or praise that, Lord, I followed what you told me to do. I followed what you told me to do. And then the last one, verse 5, back to our passage. It says, for each one should carry his own load. And we're still talking about the spiritual person who has caught someone else in a sin. And see, we, we, we need to be willing to carry their burden. We need to do it in humility, no elevation. We need to make sure that we test our actions according to Jesus, no one else. But the last one, what's in your backpack? See, when you do this, you have to remember that. Now, this word for load is different. It's something that you can carry yourself, that you are carrying yourself. It's your own obligation. It's your own things. So what's in your backpack? I mean, as you're doing this, as you're doing this, what are the things you're working on? Yeah, don't forget that. What are the things that you're dealing with? What are the things maybe in your backpack that are hidden that need to come to light? What are those things? Now, here's the big question. Is this how you are responding to your brothers and sisters in Christ? That's the big question. And, and there's, again, two people here. You, you could be the one caught in sin and someone has come to you? Are you responding, listening to your brother or sister in Christ and, and allowing them to mend the net so that you can be back in step with the Spirit? Or you could be the other side, you who are spiritual, but you haven't, all you're doing is just pointing out the situation and not carrying the load, not bearing the burden, and, and you're elevating yourself. You're doing it wrong. You're not in step with the Spirit. Not in step with the Spirit. I want to close this. I, I want to give you a story. And then I want to give us some time to respond. And I have to tell a story about myself because I wouldn't want to tell a story about anybody else um, in this light. But uh, younger pastor, um, I was in a, con- uh, a denomination that had a district leader over me. And um, we didn't always see eye to eye. He was older than I was. And I was younger, so I knew all the answers. So, and uh, 
at times I would talk about our differences, you know, if, not so much theologically, but more of um, procedures and, and just way of doing church and stuff like that. And, 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 and we would be at loggerheads about it. You know, and he was in control. I wasn't. He was in control kind of thing. And so sometimes it started out that way. But after a little while, I got bitter. I got bitter about it. And it didn't just stay between me and him. You know what I started doing? I started telling other pastors in that district about this. And I started talking about him behind his back, kind of thing. Now, I was right. I was right. I knew I was right. But I wasn't doing it the right way. I was out of step with the Spirit. And I, I remember uh, we had our annual camp meeting, and all these churches would get together, and we'd have these big meetings at night, and there'd be 2,000, 3,000 people in this auditorium, and then they have special services, and everything. it was a grand time. And I'm a front per- row person. That's what I always, I'm a front row person. That night, you know where I was? Back row. I was mad. I was upset. I was bitter. And I was in the very back row. Through the preaching of the word, I got caught in my sin. My sin was exposed. And by the Spirit, when it, they always had a time of prayer after the service and in that camp meeting setting, there was just these little benches that you came up to. When they gave that time of to respond, I got up from the very back in front of you know, all those people and I came down front. And as I was coming down front, up on the platform, of course, is the evangelist, the special speaker that night. But also the district superintendent was up there because he officiates the service and everything. And as I'm coming down the aisle, I'm doing this to him. I, I pointed at him and do this. And I'm sure he's, I'm coming down to the altar, and I'm sure he's thinking, oh, man, I wonder what Adam wants to pray about. You know, I kept my nose pretty clean and, and did my work and everything else, you know, I, 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 that kind of stuff. But I'm sure he was thinking, you know, wow, what, man, Adam must have a burden on his heart. He wants to pray, and we can pray together. I'm sure that's what he was thinking. He came down, and I said, and tears are coming down my eyes now. I said, I am so sorry. I need to ask for your forgiveness. I have said things behind your back, and I've said things to other ministers in this conference that, yeah, yeah, maybe I still think I'm right. But I did it the wrong way, and I need to ask for your forgiveness. Will you please forgive me? And I tell you, he hugged me. We prayed. We cried together. But that was not enough. That was not enough. The next day, we had our conference meetings. That's the pastors and the delegates of the churches. That's about a group of about 300, and where we go through the business of the denomination. And, and, and those, at the end of those meetings, there's an open mic time. And I knew what I had to do. I had to go up there to that open mic because there were plenty of guys, pastors, that were in that group that I had talked to that I had kind of bad-mouthed my district superintendent. And I had to get up there. I was shaking like crazy, and I was crying. But I said, I need to ask for your forgiveness. I was not walking in the Spirit, and I need to be forgiven. Please forgive me. And, and as hard as that was, at the same time, there was the assurance of my salvation. There was the assurance of, why in the world would I do that? Unless I was, again, being led by the Spirit. 
I was now in step with the Spirit again. The Father was, I was tethered to the Father, and He was pulling me along to say, Adam, Adam, you need to do this. You need to be in step with the Spirit. That's my story. Plus, there's multiples of those, sadly. But I want to call out to you this morning. Steph, you and the team can come on up. Um, I want to call out to you this morning that if there is something that's not right. See, this is the way, the way the world works is if you blow up, if you blow it, if you blow up and you blow it with somebody else, the way the world works is you just kind of let it lie. You just let time go on. You just kind of let it go. And then after a little while, you go up to that, are, are we okay? Are we okay? Oh, yeah, okay. That's the way the world does it. That's not in step with the Spirit. In step with the Spirit is if you blow it, and you need to go before God and ask for forgiveness. Say, God, I'm not in step with you right now. And as you're with God, he's going to tell you what to do. He's going to guide you in what to do. He's going to tell you the next step that you need to take. If it's writing a letter or an email, if it's face-to-face, it's, it's to get in front of that person and say, you know what? I, I still might think I'm right <laughs> my thought, but I did not handle that the way I should have. And I need to ask for your forgiveness. Now, when I'm talking right now, I'm talking about husband and wife. It could be between husband and wife. It could be between uh, child and parent, uh, teenager, and it could be between coworkers. It could be between brothers and sisters in Christ in the church, where you have just let it lay, hoping kind of time will solve this situation. That's not in step with the Spirit. So as we sing this last song, I want to, I call this place the altar. It's just a place to pull yourself away from the rest of the congregation and say, I'm going to get alone with God and I'm going to talk to him about this because I don't want to be out of step with the spirit. And sometimes people are kind of freaky out on altar calls or that they call it that. For me, it's a response time. I think of John the Baptist. When John the Baptist was telling about Jesus coming, what did he do? He called out to the people and said, come out from them. Come out from this wicked generation. Come down to the water. Be baptized. Pull yourself away from the way the rest of the world is going and say, I'm following after Jesus. That's what I see when I see a response. And when I ask you to do that, or I just throw it out there, I'm not trying to manipulate you in any way, shape, or form. When I do that, probably the biggest temptation is, If I do that, what's everybody else going to think? Here's a mending of the nets, okay? Anytime that you respond to God because you feel the Spirit is telling you you need something corrected in your life is the absolute right thing to do. It doesn't matter who's in the room. No one in this room saved you. The only person that saved you is the Lord Jesus Christ, and he is the premier relationship in your life. So anybody who makes a move, 
and makes a way forward or finds a place anywhere along here, finds a place to get along with God and talk to him about this thing that you've been carrying all this time, well, that is the absolute right thing to do. Now I'm going to set the bone. Boom. If you're sitting there and you see someone move forward and you think a negative thought about them, well, I'm sure glad they went forward. Set the bone. You're not walking in the spirit. And you should be the next one up front asking the Lord to forgive you. Who? Yeah. Because we are not looking at each other to punish one another for something they have done wrong. We are always should be, have the attitude that we are coming to say, Lord, how can I help them? They're my brother. They're my sister. They're part of the family. That's my wife. That's my husband. That's my child. Whatever that scenario is, while we sing this last song, I want you to have the freedom to be able to get alone with God. If there's something that you've been holding on to and you've been trying to solve it the world's way and you realize this morning, wait a minute, no. I need to do it God's way. I need to do it God's way. Would you stand with us? Would you stand with us? Heavenly Father, um, in this time of reflection, in this time of response, um, I pray that your spirit would move among us. I pray your spirit would move among us, Lord. I pray, Lord Jesus, that even the words of the song that we're going to sing might even prompt um, uh, this, this, this how, how we need to follow after you. I pray, Lord, that those who might say, this is my moment, I needed the nudge. I needed the nudge to say, I got I to gotta get before the Lord this morning that they would know that that is the absolute right thing to do. So, Lord, guide us in our singing and our response to you this day. In thy precious name, amen. Let's bow our heads in prayer. I want to pray specifically for those that came forward and are coming before God and saying, God, I have something on my heart, and, and possibly I have not been in step with the Spirit, and I need to be in step with the Spirit. I pray for each one that's at this altar this morning, the opportunity for them now to rise up and to be able to say, okay, Lord, what's my next step? In the Spirit, being led by the Spirit, in step with the Spirit. What is my next step, Lord, in this situation so that I keep in step with the Spirit? Lord Jesus, I pray that there's been victories this morning. I pray, Lord, this morning that there's been steps toward reconciliation. Steps toward restoring. And Lord, if you had to mend us this morning, or if you had to set the bone this morning, Lord, I thank you that you do that so that we realize that we want to be in Christ alone, as the song said, in Christ alone. Heavenly Father, thank you for a service such as this this morning. In thy precious and holy name, amen. Before you leave, I just want to reiterate one more time how important next Sunday is. How important next Sunday is. And that we would gather together because it's going to be a special time to prepare ourselves for the next weekend. So God bless you all. May God direct you.
asking what you need to do. Amen.